Most often when we are asked and we give a talk for women, we normally talk, of, broadly speaking, on one of three different topics. But today I'm going to talk on a fourth topic. First topic that we normally talk about is how a woman should respond in difficult times. How a woman should get over the emotional stress of her worries and difficulties in life. So alhamdulillah, this bayan in any case we already gave a few nights ago in the masjid. And so that is done for you. Second bayan that we give often for women is how they should improve in their role and function, whether as a mother or a wife or a daughter, etc. This bayan, I've given few bayans on this topic already in this very masjid. Third, is that we give a talk for women on what is the particular way and method of tazkiyah, tabiyyah, tasawwuf, islah, zikr, spirituality that women can follow. Again, I've given several talks on that topic in this masjid and elsewhere. So all of the talks on all the three topics above, you can get the recordings from Mrs. Yunus Adam, or she can point them, point you to them. Today's talk, I wanted to talk about Quran al-Kareem, because I feel that many women, especially those women who have a little time, or even those women who have a lot of time, they have underestimated the role that Quran al-Kareem can play in their life. Number one, if they had a more deep and strong and intense relationship with Qur'an, that itself would protect them from falling into sadness and depression over every difficulty and worry in their life. Number two, if they had a stronger relationship with Qur'an al-Kareem, and they built their relationships around that relationship with Qur'an, that would help many of their relationships. And number three, the stronger their relationship with Qur'an, the more strong and deep would be their foundation for coming closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Qur'an al-Kareem, وَلَكَدْ يَسَّنَّ الْقُرْآنَ لِلْذِكْرِ فَهَلْ مِنْ مُدَّكِرَ That indeed Allah ta'ala says that I, Allah, in all my majesty and might and wisdom and knowledge and mercy and power have made Qur'an al-Kareem. And maybe I will explain this to you whenever Allah ta'ala uses the we, what they, in British English they call the royal we, but in Arabic it's called Jama Mutakallim. It doesn't mean we that Allah Ta'ala is plural. It means Allah Ta'ala is saying that I, Allah, in my Zat, in my essence, 
and along with all of my attributes in my sha'an, with my azmat, with my rahma, with my hidayah, with my mercy, my knowledge, etc. Like So Allah Ta'ala from his zat and all of his sifat, he made Qur'an al-Kareem easy. Lidhikri. Dhikr here means to take nasiha from, to be reminded by, to be guided by, to be transformed by. So the easiest thing in deen to be transformed by is to have a deep relationship with Qur'an al-Kareem. But, فَهَلْ مِنْ مُدَّكِرَ Is there anyone who from their side, believing in Allah Ta'ala, being a mu'minah, from her side, she also has to be willing. So the only difficulty will be on the other side, that if the person is not willing to take heed in guidance and counsel from Qur'an al-Kareem, is there anyone who is willing to submit their heart to Qur'an, then the Qur'an al-Kareem will transform them. So Qur'an al-Kareem is critical in every aspect of our life. Then Allah SWT in Qur'an al-Kareem has mentioned within Qur'an different aspects of ways the Qur'an al-Kareem guides us. For example, in one place Allah SWT describes Qur'an in Qur'an as hudan nas as a hidayah, guidance for all of humanity. In another place Allah SWT describes Qur'an in Qur'an as hudan muttaqin as a guidance for the people of taqwa. So what does this mean? It's actually guidance for all. But there will be levels of guidance. Simply being human, even without Imam, simply being human is enough. Having the fitr the insani that Allah Ta'ala put in every human being is enough to be guided by Qur'an al-Kareem because Allah Ta'ala is Rabbul Nas and Qur'an is Badallil Nas. But then when a person accepts Imam, they have the potential to be even more guided by Qur'an al-Kareem. And then after Imam, they do amal, they do good deeds, they stay away from sin. The more taqwa they have, the more they will be guided by Qur'an al-Kareem. Not the more Arabic, not necessarily only the more Arabic or the more intelligence or the more education. No, there's another level of hidayah which isn't touched by those things. There's certain, yes, guidance that your academic understanding, your translation, your linguistic understanding may be increased if your Arabic is better, intelligence is better, learning is better, education is better. But there's another type of hidayah in Qur'an which has nothing to do with any of those things it only has to do with the level of taqwa as a person, inside a person. The more taqwa a person will have. So what happens basically is when a person takes this mission to be guided and transformed by Qur'an al-Kareem, they will want to strengthen their imam, they will want to increase their amal, they will also want to learn as much Arabic as they can, they will also want to increase their taqwa. So for the sake of Qur'an, in the nisbat of Qur'an, they will do amal on their entire deed, on their entire deed. Now all of this said, I will tell you another interesting fact, a social reality, that the vast majority of believers in the Ummah today, and the vast majority of believers in the Ummah, let's say for the past maybe 1,000 years, did not actually understand the entire Qur'an al there are many people today who have recited Qur'an al-Kareem, Tilawati Qur'an, maybe 10, 20, 30, 40, 100, hundreds of times in their life, but they've never once even understood the true, complete meanings of Qur'an al-Kareem from cover to cover once in their entire life. Allahu Akbar Kabira. 
Now, what does that mean? That those people are completely lost or they're misguided? No. The way those people normally get guided is through bayan, through the topical presentations of the ulama, shayukh, imams. So they get a lot of knowledge in a little format. So, for example, if a person wants to know everything that the Qur'an al-Kareem says about love for Allah Ta'ala, so there are two ways to do that. One is to read the entire Qur'an, and second is to attend one, maybe one and a half to two hour bayat or lecture on the love for Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So most people, they get the guidance of Qur'an, not from Qur'an al-Kareem, but they get the guidance of Qur'an from the teachers of deen. This is also something Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala mentioned in Qur'an al-Kareem. So the same word Allah Ta'ala used for Qur'an al-Kareem That the Qur'an is a way to guide and counsel and admonish people Allah Ta'ala used the same word That oh people, certain people are being addressed That you should guide and counsel and advise and remind the people for indeed, the guidance of the guides, the reminder of the reminders, is of benefit to the people of Iman, to the Mu'mineen. However, those of us who Allah Ta'ala has blessed with time, Allah Ta'ala has blessed with mind, Allah Ta'ala has blessed with some level of learning, our niyyah and our intention and our goal should be that we should try within our lifetime, and not just once, but repeatedly over and over again to understand the meanings of Qur'an al-Kareem. Yes, if we try and we make effort, and if we keep making the effort our whole life, and maybe then we will die without having understood the entire Qur'an. Or certainly we will die, even if we went through the entire Qur'an al-Kareem, but we will never understand everything in the Qur'an al-Kareem. But at least we lived our life trying, and that will be enough to be considered to have gotten guidance from Qur'an al-Kareem. Now, there is one misconception, it's not maybe unlikely to be in the type of women who would come to the talk today, but just so you know, there is a misconception that some Muslims out there, certainly they exist in London as well, they put, and the, the, the misconception, misunderstanding, misrepresentation, actually deliberate misrepresentation that they place out there is that the ulama do not want you to understand Qur'an. And rather the ulama only want that you should only listen to them. So if this were true, then no alim would ever have translated Qur'an al-Kareem into any other language. Because the best way, and always remember when somebody makes a claim, this is the principle of learning, if somebody makes a claim to you, you should say, okay, check. If this claim is true, then A, B, C, D would also be true. And check if A, B, C, D are true. And if A, B, C, D are not true, that means the claim is also false. So if it was true that the ulama did not want you, the non-alim believer, to understand Qur'an al-Kareem, then what would also must necessarily be true is that no alim would ever have translated Qur'an al-Kareem into another language. Okay, now let's check this fact. Fact, the amount of translation and commentary in non-Arabic language, done, alhamdulillah, by the Dilbandi ulama of South Asia, is more than any other community in the history of the entire Ummah. The number of translations into Persian, initially, then the number of translations into Urdu, then the number of tafasir written in Urdu, then the number of bayan and dars given in Urdu, 
than the number of topical books written on the mazameen or topics or subject matter of Quran in Urdu could fill an entire library. Now why would the ulama put all of that in Urdu, which is, I mean, forget that you're in London and you know English, but put that in a language that the ordinary person of their time understood, if the ulama did not want people to understand Quran al then alhamdulillah, there have been a lot of other efforts in the world to put this knowledge into the English language. There, obviously, the Indo-Pak ulama may not be at the forefront, because still the majority language there is Urdu, but even there, ulama of South Africa and England have produced several tafasir in English, and several translations in English, and then many works on the English language in Qur'an al Why would the ulama do that if it wasn't for you? Hmm? Now, it's not enough to set aside a nice room in your nice three-bedroom house with a nice bookshelf with these books. Deen of Islam is not about decorating your bookshelf with books. You have to read the books. You have to understand the books. You have to live the teachings by the books. Hmm? So I wanted to clear this misconception. Then Alhamdulillah there are so many different Qur'an classes, Darsi Qur'an and this masjid every Friday after Maghrib. There is Darsi Qur'an by Shaykh Mulana Salim. Then in this masjid, mashallah, every Thursday at 2 p.m. Yeah. There is a Dars of Qur'an by an alama for women here in the women's section of the masjid. So when the community is offering you this ability to learn Qur'an al-Karim, you should make niyyah that all of you should try to learn Qur'an al-Karim. And there's barakah in your local gathering. There's barakah in your community gathering. There's barakah in your masjid gathering. Now no doubt you may have your own other courses that you do, your own other learning that you do, but if you come for one hour a week to your local masjid for its local gathering on Darsa Quran, that one hour a week will inshallah put barakah in all of your other efforts to learn and understand Quran al-Karim. Oh, now I'm going to outline for you a program by which you can increase your own direct relationship with Qur'an al-Karim, so that the Qur'an al-Karim can directly transform you. In fact, I'll be honest with you, the ulama would love nothing better than for you to have a deep understanding of Qur'an al-Karim, so we can retire and go play with our children. Yes? Allahu Akbar. Huh? Alright. Number one, is the wordings of Qur'an, the first aspect of Qur'an al-Karim is the wordings of Qur'an, al-Fadi-Qur'an. So the first thing there is to improve your vocal recitation of those wordings that is called ilm tajweed Now I know in this community, I may not know who they are, but I know they exist in this community. Female qura, female qariyas, female alamas who can help you improve your recitation of Qur'an. You should improve it even if you think, no, you did whatever nadra or you reached whatever level you think you have reached. You should still improve it. Because the more properly, the more sweetly, the more you improve your tajweed, your tilawat, your recitation of Qur'an al-Karim, the more those meanings will actually enter your heart. There's a relationship between the zahir and the batin. Alright? So one should increase the, their tajweed. Second aspect which is related to the wording is called tilawat al-Quran is to recite, is to read and recite more and more and more. Even right now you may not understand the meaning of the Arabic. Increase your tilawa until 
that number one, Tzadao becomes easier for you as opposed to a burden for you. That Tzadao is something you can do anytime instead of having to work yourself up for it or push yourself to it or make yourself do it. Number three, that Tzadao is something that once you restart it while you're doing it, you get a certain pleasure, look, lazza, sweetness, happiness, delight in your heart. Number four, that your Tzadao is such that when you're reciting it, you feel, as Nabi Karim Sallallahu said as a reality, that you feel that you're reciting to Allah Ta'ala and Allah Ta'ala is listening to your recitation. Hmm? That hadith is just about Tilawat, it's nothing to do with Tarjumat Tafsir, meaning nothing. It's just about Tilawat. Keep reciting until you can recite like that. Keep reciting, keep reciting until you reach these stages and states of Tilawat al Quran. Number three. Third thought, look, with the wording is called Tahfiz al Quran. To memorize those words, to write those words in your mind, your memory, your heart. So you should also have a habit and practice of those of you who have more time to give more time to this, if you have less time to do it occasionally. But every month or so, I would say even one, at least every month, there should be monthly increase in your memorization of Quran. And depending on how much time you have, maybe you learn a few pages a month. Maybe you learn one page a month, maybe you learn one surah a month, maybe you learn a few ayahs a month, maybe you learn one ayah a month. But every month there should be some increase, then you will feel also, you know what your people are asking about, I want to be positive about deen, you will feel very positive about your relationship with the Quran when you have success, when you have increase. When you improve and increase in your memorization, you will feel and then you will, then what you should do is every month that additional amount that you recite, uh, so that additional amount that you memorize, you should now start using that in your recitation, in your salah. And every month your salah becomes a bit different. Every month your salah becomes a bit new. Every month you're introducing some new, you know, like, mashallah, at your home you will not cook the same food every day. Huh? You say, no, I didn't cook anything different for six months. So why do you want to, you never do that, right? So why are you going to say for six months I've never had anything in my salah except Same menu for six months the mouth is going in salah but same menu cannot even last six days on your mm, table spread. Hmm? So don't underestimate tafiz as oh that's for the children or that's for the maktab. No, 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 no. This is part of your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase the amount of words that you have committed to memory. Even if you go at a slow pace, maybe you, you could go at a faster pace, some of you. Some of you, mashallah, I know, are women who all your kids have grown up and married and settled. In order to be self-harabetian, you're free. And mashallah, nice Gujarati women, what do they do when they're free? They go into knitting and sewing and baking and cooking and gardening. Huh? Allah Akbar, don't take it personally. Huh? But I know, because I eat the food that you cook and the cookies that you bake and sit in the home that you decorate, so I know these things. Hmm? If your children are, mashallah, all going to school and you have time, or they're all married and settled, you have time, well, use your time. Increase your tajweed, increase your talawat, increase your tafiz of Qur'an al-Kareem, and then use those additional words as recitation in your salah. As the first relationship with Qur'an al-Karim, with al-Fazi al-Qur'an, the wordings of Qur'an. 
Second is with the meanings of Qur'an, meanings of Qur'an, ma'ani al-Qur'an, ma'ani al-Qur'an. Okay, again there will be different aspects of this relationship. So you can say one with wordings, one A tajweed, one B tilawat, one C tahfiz, two is wordings, two A is tarjama, translation of Qur'an al-Karim. Full translation of Qur'an al-Karim. Now, a longer way is to do what they call learning Qur'anic Arabic so that you can do a word-by-word -word translation. A shorter way, if you're not able to do that right now, is to simply read the translation along with the Arabic. You may not know, you will do sentence by sentence, let's say, eye by eye, you may not necessarily know each word in the Quranic vocabulary, or know every word in Arabic, what it corresponds to, every word in English. All right. Now there are some conditions for reading translation of Quran Number one, you should pick an authentic, authoritative translation that is written by a translator who has the proper aqidah, who is ideally an alim, or at least their translation is verified and approved by ulama. I'm going to tell you a few shortly. Second, is when you read the translation, if there's anything you don't understand, you should mark it and move on, and later you should ask some scholar in your community about the understanding of that verse. Or you should go online and listen to the tafsir of some alim who has explained that verse. Alright? This is also a condition. This is a condition. Without that, you cannot just do translation of Quran. Okay? Approved translation, so for those of you who know Urdu, of this English beyond, but still, there may be a few of you who prefer Urdu. So, one locally in your country, Sheikh Malani Yusuf Mutalasar, has an Urdu translation of Qur'an al-Karim, and our own preferred Urdu translation is that of Mufti Muhammad Taqi Usmani, Second, English translations of Qur'an. Well, Mufti Taqi Usmani Sahib also has an English translation of Qur'an. The benefit of that is that there is no error in that in terms of knowledge. The English in certain places is slightly weak in its translation and Alhamdulillah has acknowledged that and there is a revision being done right now uh, and in fact once it is revised and edited it is going to be published here in England in London by Duroth Publishing inshallah. So but until that edition comes out I'm going to recommend one or two other translations that you keep along with Mufti Takisams so sometimes when you may find the English slightly awkward, then you can look at that other translation, uh, and then most likely it's just an issue with the language. And by looking at the other translation, the confusion you had on the first translation will be resolved. So uh, there are many actually uh, other English translations of Qur'an al-Karim. Some in the university uh, field are more preferred, but they're not always uh, written by Muslims. But sometimes they're preferred because the English truly does capture the Arabic better. But at the same time, uh, without having Iman in a person's heart, many times they miss certain nuances in the language that they cannot perceive due to the lack of Iman. There are many Muslim translators of Qur'an. Alhamdulillah, they're able to capture all the nuances that a person can perceive due to their Iman, but sometimes they miss something due to the language, or sometimes they introduce some of their own personal ideology. So a non-Muslim translator has no personal ideology. He's not Dubandi, he's not modernist, he's not reformed, he's not even Muslim, right? So he doesn't introduce his own ideology. So this is a problem. 
This is why I'm actually going to recommend two or three transitions for you to keep. And this is only, you only even need to look at them when, uh, the tran until that new transition comes out, uh, and until Mufti Taqiyus Mani's, uh, and, and when Mufti Taqiyus Mani's translations, English is slightly weak or you find it slightly awkward. One is by Sheikh Ahmed Zaki Hamad. Sheikh Ahmed Zaki Hamad. You can download all of these, they're all available on PDF if you search well on the internet. Second is by Thomas Cleary. Thomas Cleary. Third is by Muhammad Marmaduke Pickthall. But these are three that I feel that if you... There are many, there are others as well. Uh, but every, then the, the whole Biyadim will have to be converted into a university lecture on the pros and cons of different translations. For you, this is enough. Alright? For you, this is enough. Okay, so first aspect with meanings is Tarjama ibn Quran al-Karim. Second, now that is a big project, and that may take your time. Second, what you should do, and maybe you can start with this, is learn the meanings, ma'ani, of that portion, those surahs of Quran that you've already memorized and that you're reciting in Salah. Right? So that at least when you recite in Salah, you really, truly know what it is that you are saying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is the second place to begin. Third, is once that you have done those surahs that you have already memorized, then again, like we mentioned in step one, those additional ayats and surahs that inshallah you'll be memorizing every week or every month, then you should also do the translation and understanding of those verses. Fourth, there are certain surahs of Qur'an al-Karim, or even sometimes certain passages of Qur'an al-Karim, where Sayyidina Rasulullah sallam, has mentioned some fazila, some extra special virtue and merit, such as Surah Kahaf, such as Surah Yaseen, such as Surah Yusuf, such as the last Raku of Surah Baqarah, such as the Raku of Surah Baqarah, that is Ayatul Kursi, etc., etc. Right? You can find these very easily in many different books. So you should also then, that's another place for you to begin, uh, perhaps before you try to begin on the project of the recitation of the entire Quran. Surah Bulk is another one. Clear the different surahs and different passages uh, that have some fadila, virtue, merit, reward, special mention by Nabi Agreen, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Then another passage or surah that you can start with is any ayah that you or, or group of ayahs that maybe you heard in the Bayan or a Juma lecture that moved your heart. That, oh, you're maybe you never even knew about that verse before and you heard a Bayan and you heard about that verse and learning about that verse had a big impact on you. Okay, now look that verse up in Quran now and look at what came before and after that verse. Ride, build up on the Bayan. Now that you got the verse and let's say it was a verse on fear of Allah subhanahu and it impacted you during the Bayan. Now go home, find that verse in Qur'an, you should know where it is in Qur'an, so that later maybe when you need to once again inspire your heart to fear Allah Ta'ala, you know where that verse is, you know where you can turn to, you know where you can find it. Then look at the context of that verse, look at the tafsir of that verse, so that you go deeper and deeper. Now after that one bayan, you should take all the verses on fear of Allah Ta'ala mentioned in that bayan, and learn them so well, locate them and translate them and understand them and learn them so well that in the future now you have, you don't have to listen to the Bayan again five times, now you have five different ayat in Qur'an al-Kareem that anytime you want to inspire your heart with the fear of Allah Ta'ala, you know where to go. 
to use the Qur'ans as a guide map, as a road map to Qur'an al-Karim. And last uh, way that a person could start, uh, where you could start in terms of your tarjama uh, of Qur'an al-Karim, are those surahs, those ayats, sometimes one or a few ayats, which have du'as in them. Right? So you can learn those du'as, then you can pray to Allah Ta'ala using those du'as, then you should also know the meaning of those, uh, those du'as. So this was several things for us to increase our relationship with the meaning of Qur'an in terms of what we call tarjima. Third is called tafsir wa tadabbur. Tafsir wa tadabbur. Tafsir means to go into a deeper understanding of Qur'an al-Karim. So first was alfaz al-Qur'an, wordings of Qur'an. Second was ma'ani al-Qur'an, meanings of Qur'an. Third is now the deeper understanding, tafsir, and deeper reflection, contemplation, tadabbur, on Qur'an al-Karim. Tafsir and tadabbur, tafsir and tadabbur. Okay, one, step one here is that the, one of the best ways to do this is actually to learn and understand the seerah. When you understand the life of Nabi Akram and as his life events unfolded for 22 years, and then you try to understand how Allah Ta'ala revealed Qur'an across those 22 years. Yani, in what point in the seerah, what was happening in the life of Sayyidina Rasulullah what was happening in the community at that time when Allah Ta'ala revealed that passage or that surah of Qur'an Alright? So for this, there is a very good book in English, uh, if I remember its name correctly. It's written by Dr. Action America. Uh, it's called Revelation. Now again, every book, there's no book that is perfect other than the book of Allah Subhanahu Wa Second, there are no books today in English that have gone through, other than translations, there are no originally authored books in English that can match the scholarly works of the early Islamic tradition. All right? Those works also have much less mistakes because they're written many times by groups of scholars, scholarly review, etc. Still though, I feel that all things considered, it is the single best English language work on Sira for this purpose which specifically will show you how the different verses of Qur'an al-Karim were recited at different stages in the Seerah of Nabi al-Karim That said, there are a few modernist things that are written in that Seerah that you will, and they're not subtle, they're very clear, uh, so you will easily be able to tell and you can uh, skip them and ignore them. And there are other works on Seerah, uh, if you just want to learn Seerah for Seerah's sake, uh, there are many of them, uh, but clear, I mean, they've been translated from Arabic into English, translated from Urdu into English, Sirat al-Mustafa by Mawana Adiz Kandi Zayram Tawai, Rahmat al-Adam by Mawana Abdul Hassan al-Nidab Zayram Tawai, etc. Alright, if you want to learn Sirat. Second, second aspect to get a deeper understanding, uh, before I come to the Sirat itself, a deeper understanding of the meanings, is to learn the Arabic language. Alright? The more you know the Arabic language, uh, then the more you will have access to the deeper meanings of Qur'an al-Karim. Now within Arabic language, there's loha, the different meanings and shades of meaning in a word. There's nahu, the grammar and syntax. So the role or function any word is playing in a sentence 
If you understand that better, you have to understand the meaning of the word and the sentence better. Then there's Balagha, which you can say is the literary stylistic features of Quran al-Kareem, which will also help you in your understanding. All right? But obviously, that requires a bit now of a higher level of engagement in the Arabic language. Here, now we come to simply Tafsir. All right? Tafsir. Now, in the realm of Tafsir itself, there are a few things that the ulama of Tafsir uh, focus on. This I can't really help you so much as far as the English language goes. I can mention to you two, two tafsirs in English, but they don't necessarily do all of these things. All right? uh, one tafsir is an English translation of Ma'ruf al-Quran by Mufti Muhammad Shafi and second is an English translation of Anwaru Bihan by Mufti Ashik Ilahi Balanshiri And there are some English translations of some of the Arabic tafsir, such as Ibn Kathir, Qurtubi, Tabari, Razi, some of them are partial, some of them are complete. Alright. What goes on in tafsir? So there are about five, six, seven things we have gathered for you. So at least you know what happens in tafsir, and then at least today you can appreciate that if you knew these things, how much deeper one's understanding and reflection could be on Qur'an. So the first thing that happens in tafsir is called tafsir al-Qur'an bil-Qur'an. To understand Qur'an al-Kareem through other verses of Qur'an. Sometimes that is topical, like you do one verse about the fear of Allah Ta'ala, you pause, and now you can do this, you can do even in English now, Quran phonetic search, and you can search on online databases all the verses about fear of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And if you know Arabic, there are even better ways to search it, alright? That's one way. Second, the Sirah Quran, the Quran is used in ahkam and legal rulings. So you come up on a verse, let's say, about divorce, to understand what are all the laws of divorce, you have to go look at all the other verses on that topic. Clear? So this is a big topic, Tafsir al-Qur'an al-Qur'an. Second is Tafsir al-Qur'an bil-Hadith. Okay, what did Nabi Kareem sallallahu all the Hadith on the fear of Allah? Or in the second example, all the Hadith on divorce. Or, like I already mentioned to you in terms of Sirah, what does the Hadith tell us about when this verse was revealed, maybe why it was revealed, how the Sahaba first took guidance from this, how Nabi Ibn Sallallahu explained this. Now interestingly, that is not there for every verse. That's not even there for half the verses. For less than half the verses of Qur'an, will you be able to find some hadith of Nabi Ibn Sallallahu directly on that verse. Okay? Why? I will explain that to you a little bit later. You'll be not that. Third, is it the seer of the Sahaba and Tabi'een on that? And fourth is what we call tafsir of the mufassirun, or you could say tafsir of the mufassirin. And that means that the ulama of tafsir themselves give some analysis, explanation, commentary on that verse that itself is very valuable. Although strictly speaking, Sayyidina Rasulullah himself never explained the ayah like that. Sayyidina never themselves explained the ayah like that. This is another important point to realize. Because this shows that Islam is a living tradition. That people constantly, continually need to be guided by Qur'an al-Kareem. And tafsir is not just naql and only simply transmitting and repeating the few hadith and statements of Sahaba al-Kalam on Qur'an al-Kareem. Tafsir is also about scholarly understanding and scholarly explanations of Qur'an al-Kareem. And if you were to know properly high classical Arabic, then you would have, mashallah, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of pages 
of the seer that you will be able to read. And anybody should just think like that, that because they don't know Arabic at that level, they're mahroom, they've been derived and deprived of thousands and thousands of pages of understanding of Kalamullah, Kitabullah, of the Book of Al-Musfarata. Right? Now yes, ulama can represent and try to share only a portion of that with you in Urdu, in English, Durus and Beha. Okay, and that aspect of tafsir is what we call Rabd. Sheikh Ashraf Ali for example, has written a whole kitab on this Rabd. Rabd means that what is the relationship between ayahs? Like when Allah Ta'ala changes topics in Quranically. Why? Why does Allah Ta'ala move from the story of Nabi Adam Islam to divorce? So let me take a surah that you people may inshallah know better. Look at Surah Kahf, for example. There's so many different topics there. Why is Allah SWT talking about these two men? Then Allah SWT talks about the story of Musa alayhi salam. Then Allah SWT talks about the Ashab Kahf. Then Allah SWT talks about Musa alayhi salam and Khizr. Then Allah SWT talks about Zulkarnain. Well, why put all these three things together in one surah? Why are they put together? What's the connection between them? What's the relationship between them? Understanding that relationship helps us understand the stories better. The better you understand the story of Ashab Kahf, then and why the story of Musa Islam and Sayyidina Khizr was placed next to it, the better you will understand the story of Musa Islam and Khizr, Radiallahu Ta'ala. Alright, this is called Rabd, and then there's Rabd between Surahs. Then the themes in the ayahs, the themes in the Surahs, the theme between the ayahs, the themes between the Surahs. And this is also part of the Ijaz, the miracle of Quran Karim. That not only is the Quran Karim a linguistic miracle, but the Quran Karim is also a miracle in terms of its knowledge and themes. No human mind could ever have such magisterial, authorial ability to alternate and shift back and forth from themes like that. Another way you can understand the Manic Tafsir is sometimes there's a story, let's say, of Nabi Yusuf all of that is in one surah for Yusuf and nothing else. Very easy. But then there's the story of Nabi Adam The story of Nabi Adam is split and scattered across Quran in multiple surahs. Certain parts are repeated. Certain parts are new every time. Why? Why did Allah Ta'ala put this part of the story of Nabi Adam in Surah Baqarah? Why did Allah Ta'ala put this part of the story of Nabi Adam in Surah Alat? Why did Allah Ta'ala mention this part of that story only in Surah Baqarah and this part only in Surah Alat? Why did Allah Ta'ala mention this part of the story in both places? When you understand and learn these things, you will better understand the story of Nabi Adam Now you understand how these thousands of pages get filled up. Hmm? There's a lot of you know, enjoyable things in tafsir, in the tafsir tradition of Quran Karim. Here, another thing in tafsir is to study the previous qawm. Now, see, a lot of people, this, this is a perfect example maybe, that why translation is not enough. You will read Surah Baqarah and read so many things about Musa Islam and the Bani Israel, but you won't really get it. You won't get it. That's why many people, they find Surah Baqarah heavy. Most people, when they try, this is one reason why people fail reading Quran cover to cover. Because they have to start with Surah Baqarah. Allah Akbar. They find it too heavy. Me, when I was 14 years old and I found on my father's shelf some old, antiquated, English translation of Quran, I tried to pick it up, I couldn't go beyond a couple of pages because it was Surah Baqarah. It was heavy, I couldn't understand it. Hmm? But with tafsir, oh, you will understand. And then you'll understand why it's so important. 
you will understand why it's the longest surah. You will understand why Allah Ta'ala put it first. You will understand why Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab said it took us years to do Amal on Surah Bakr. Because your uncle will say, Amal is just stories of the past. What do you mean Amal? How do you practice stories of the past? Hmm? This is one of the perfect examples of why translation is just a drop. Just a drop. And I'm, I'm saying this very clearly because many people overestimate translation. So they run for a Quran translation course, they think that Alam or Alam of Quran, just because she did tarjama, there's so much more than translation, so much more than translation. And also know that Allah SWT has not told us everything about the previous prophets. So the things that Allah SWT told us about those previous prophets, alayhi salam asma'in, in Quran Karim, are, are part of our hidayah. Today, in 2018, London, you can be guided, if you can learn how to be guided, by every single story of the Bani Israel mentioned in Surah Bakr. But the translation won't be able to do it for you. That's part of tafsir. That's a major part of tafsir. Alright? In fact, there are 120,000 prophets, alayhi salam is made, and only 25 names are mentioned in Quran al so there, Allah Ta'ala has very selectively chosen what of the past communities He wanted to tell us about in Quran al-Karim because those particular chosen stories are of hidayah and guidance to us. And another aspect of tafsir is you take, another way, method of tafsir, is you take a particular mm, set of eyes in Quran al-Karim. So we have, maybe not in London, but we have in different places given presentations on this using the PowerPoint. So for example, one is to look in Qur'an al-Kareem about all, at all the verses which start with Ya ayyuhalladzina amanu or even just mention alladzina amanu. So you get a Qur'anic understanding of what it really means to be a believer. What are the things a believer should do? What are the attributes a believer should have? What are the, how does Allah Ta'ala define and talk about a believer? If you understand this, then 90% of sectarianism will go away. Because sectarianism is basically a human mind trying to figure out who Ahlul Iman is. And going through the tafsir of Allah Dina Amnu is Allah Allah telling you who Ahlul Iman is. So first the person has to meet all those criteria first, then we will look at their Aqidah. No doubt we will have to check their Aqidah. But first we have to see do they even meet Allah Ta'ala's criteria of who is Allah Dina Amnu. And if they don't even meet that yet, then I'm not going to talk to them about their particular Aqidah right now. I'm going to first talk to them about that they're failing to meet the Qur'anic standard of Alladina Amun. Second example is taking the verses where Allah Ta'ala talks about insan, so Ya Nas, Ya Insan, Ya Bani Adam. Third example is to take all the verses of Qur'an about Akal. Fourth example, take all the verses of Qur'an about Zikr. Fifth example, take all the verses in Qur'an about parents, right? I mean, it's a shorter project, okay? So, these are different ways of doing tafsir. Khair. There's more, but there's a lot of things. This is enough to give you an idea that how much is going on in tafsir. Then I mentioned another word to you, tafsir wa tadabbur. So there are certain parts of Qur'an which require, like I gave you the example of the stories of Banisha and Surah Baqarah, that require a lot of knowledge and understanding for you to be really guided. So the way to be more guided by them is to do more learning, more study, more tafsir. Then there are other verses of Qur'an other passages in Qur'an, that to be more guided by them, it doesn't require more learning, understanding, there's a basic tafsir, but to be more guided, it requires more tafsir, to be more guided requires more reflection, more contemplation. For example, Allah Ta'ala said in Qur'an al-Karim, 
Has not much tafsir to that. It's pretty much the translation hits it. Allah Ta'ala is all powerful over everything. Now I could explain that to you for 5-10 minutes. I could use science to explain how Allah Ta'ala is powerful over everything and tell you bacteria, universe, gravity. Okay, so 5-10-15 minutes you would get an idea of the might and power of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. But that's it. It's not thousands of pages required to understand that. This is one of those ayahs and passages that after you get that core understanding, now you have to do the dabbur. Now you have to contemplate hmm? and reflect that what should my behavior in this world be like, given that my Allah is ala kulli shay'in qadir. You should do whore, fikr, tafakkur, dabbur on the kudrat, the might and power of Allah SWT. You just have to sit and reflect on that. That's how you get guidance from this verse. Another example, Allah SWT says in Quran Al-Kareem, Huwa ma'akum aina ma'kuntum That Allah Ta'ala is with you wherever you are. Okay, I can explain this to you in a bayan style. Allah Ta'ala is with you when you're alone. He's with you when you're at home. He's with you in the masjid. He's with you when you obey Him. He's with you when you sin against Him as Ghaffar. Maybe 5, 10, 15 minutes I can do it. That's enough for you to understand the meaning of the verse. Now, for further guidance, you don't need more tafsir. You need more tadabbur, more tafakkur, you need to contemplate on this. That he is with you wherever you are. That you have to think about this all the time. You have to think about this in the lecture hall. You have to think about this in the classroom. You have to think about this in the kitchen. You have to think about this when you're sitting with your in-laws. You have to think about this when you're in the shop. You have to think about this now requires tadabbur, tafakkur, reflection, tadakkur, remembrance, reminding, remembrance, reminding, reflection, contemplation. Not so much more tafsir is required. So again, so this is called tafsir of the number. Tafsir of the number. Now I'll give you one last example before I move to the next relationship with Qur'an. One last example which combines tafsir and tadabbur. And those are those passages, those ayat verses or groups of verses in Qur'an al-Kareem where Allah subhanahu wa mentions his sifat, his asmaal husna, his attributes, his beautiful names. So one aspect of tafsir in this is what we call one of the famous and most, uh, what I would say, one of the most, one of the many, many, many enjoyable aspects of tafsir is the name pairings. So Allah subhanahu says, Alim al-Hakima, Alim al-Halima. Why do these two names come together? Which names come together? So first, that's just, that's like tarjuma level. That's just data analysis. Let's get the list. Which names come together? How many times they come together? Where they come together? Hmm? Even this is the project. This is how you should be training your children. This, this is something a 12-year-old can do. This is something it's all on computer now. This is something a 12, 15, 14, 15, 6-year-old can do. This is your whole maktab syllabus right here. Hmm? It's not, but it should be. And that's what I'm trying to say. This should be, you have to engage the children on a much higher level. Khair. Anyway, so, once you get that data in front of you, that tarjuma level, then the tafsir. Jeev the ulama, Allah Akbar. It's, it's, this, it's these type of things, if you knew, you would love the mufassirun. And you wouldn't believe this false propaganda. Oh, the ulama are trying to keep you away from Quran. Even when those ulama are writing in Arabic, by the way, who is reading those tafsir? Ordinary people. The citizens of Baghdad, the citizens of the Damascus, and the height of Islamic civilization were reading these tafsir. They weren't the ulama. They weren't only ulama who read tafsir. Yes, only ulama wrote tafsir. It's not the only ulama read tafsir. 
That's today. That only ulama read tafsir. Hmm? And today is the other around. Not ulama writing tafsir and ulama reading tafsir. Huh? Back then, ulama used to write tafsir and not ulama used to read tafsir. So this is one of the things that you will enjoy if you were to read this. Ajeeb these mufassirun the way they understand why Allah Ta'ala joined these names together. Hmm? So there's a lot of tafsir there, but then after a lot of tadabbur. Hmm? That if you're sitting, think that Allah Ta'ala is Aleem and Halim. Allah Ta'ala is Aleem and Hakim. Allah Ta'ala is Kareem. It's Ajeeb, the, the type of tadabbur and tafakkur you could do. Now the reason I put these two together, tafsir and tadabbur, is because they go together. You're only going to be able to be mindful and remember and reflect and contemplate when you have some understanding. Without that learning, without understanding, you're not going to be able to do reflection and contemplation. Unless you're one of those rare point zero zero one percent super muttaqi zakri, or kalagasta, not this bail, but 99.99% of you here today, and 99.99999999% of the ummah today, cannot go that path anymore. That's a different, it ends at the same destination, but that's a different path, alright? So tafsir and tadabbar are related, that tafsir for the sake of tadabbar, tafsir as a means of tadabbar, alright? This is also correct for those who, some maybe here know a little bit about the Urdu tafsir tradition, so I also use this word for you today, tadabbar, because it's in Quran al and also to clarify misunderstanding, because some people today think tadabbar means to use your akal, and reflect on politics, society, and economy, and how Quran will apply to the political, economic, social problems of today. That that's something you can do, but that's not what Allah Ta'ala is calling tadabbur in Quran. Tadabbur is this, all right? What I explained to you just now. So there's no need to hijack a term for a different activity, especially when the other activity itself is absolutely permissible. Doesn't need a, a term to be hijacked to give it some type of veneer or semblance of permissibility. First was wordings of Qur'an, alfaz of Qur'an. Second was meanings of Qur'an, ma'ani of Qur'an. Right? Within ma'ani we did tarjama, tafsir, tadambur. Alright? Now third, third comes amal, a'mal, amal bil Qur'an wa ahwal al Qur'an. Amal bil Qur'an, to practice the Qur'an, and ahawal al-Qur'an, to get the feelings of Qur'an. To practice upon Qur'an, and to get the feelings of Qur'an. And this, this is actually what is called hidayah. This is hidayah. Up till now, the first one could be hudan nas right? Anybody, many non-Muslims will read Qur'an, right? This one is the hudan al-Muttaqeen. The person who does amal on Qur'an will be guided by Allah Ta'ala through Qur'an to get the feelings that Allah Ta'ala has mentioned in Qur'an. To practice upon Qur'an and to get the feelings on Qur'an. So this is the asl hidayah. This is the real hidayah. All tarjama, tajweed, tilawa, tafid, tarjama, tafsir, tadabbar, all of that is to be done for this purpose. Practice and live and embody the Quranic reality. This is why Umm Mu'mineen, Sayyida Aisha, when she was describing the Bihakareem, that's one of the ways she described that he is Quran. And his attributes are the attributes of Quran. His khuluq, akhlaq, are those of Quran. What she meant is he is the living embodiment of the 
feelings and practice the Quranic, Quranic insight. So this is the most important part, most important part. This is requires amal. And you know, Allah Ta'ala saved all of us from this, and Allah Ta'ala guide anyone who has fallen to this delusion. There are people who have the wordings and have the meanings, but they still don't have the feelings. They stopped because they didn't do amal, they didn't practice. They can give you the most wonderful tafsir beyond on, back, on the verses on backbiting, but they don't stop backbiting themselves privately. Hmm? They can give you a wonderful explanation, heart-melting explanation of lowering the gaze and modesty. And maybe so many people listen to them, may lower the gaze and that modesty, but they don't actually themselves lower the gaze and that modesty and privacy. Hmm? So wordings and meanings, even if you memorize the wordings, even if you know tafsir level of meanings, if you don't do amal, muttaqeen, hudallal muttaqeen, if you don't make yourself a muttaqeen, you won't get this third level of hidayah, which is the feelings of Qur'an al-Qur'an, the feelings of Qur'an al-Qur'an. Hmm? And this is why those great ulama, they were really talking about Qur'an, when they said this, that don't, must do ilm with amal, must do amal on your ilm. The real meaning was this, what I explained to you today. You must do amal on your ilm, you must do amal on your ilm, and ilm without amal will, will be a burden for you on the day of judgment. Ilm without amal will count against us on the day of judgment. Hmm? It's for this reason that the ulama used to say, that the more you can ilm, the more humble you should be. Why? Because they knew that you can't do amal unless you're humble. So if a person doesn't have humility, they won't do amal. And there's a danger in ilm. Knowledge has this, there's a dangerous tinge. Every, every bounty and blessing and netma in this world also comes with a test from Allah SWT. So they have these sayings in English, right? That every cloud has a silver lining and every rose has its thorn. Hmm? It means that every bounty and blessing from Allah Ta'ala comes with a test and a prick that every rose has a thorn. And every difficulty that comes from Allah Ta'ala also has the possibility of being khair that every cloud has a silver lining. So that with ilm, one thing is the more you learn, it's natural. Look, you see it with people with worldly education. So forget even dini education, which is a'la. Look at people who have worldly knowledge. That's adna, that's lesser. They get a little bit arrogant. <laughs> they have PhD, they have law degree, they have MBA, right? They're scientists, they're doctor, they're professional, professor. A little bit, a little bit comes in them. At least a little bit comes because they feel that I'm learned and I'm educated. So if that happens with the knowledge of worldly things, can you imagine the danger that comes with the real knowledge, true knowledge, the eternal knowledge gifted by Allah Ta'ala? This is why the ulama would always say two things. Always, it's throughout, and the best, if you want to really see it somewhere, is in the works of Imam al-Zahir Telling ulama, you must do amal on your ilm, you must do amal on your ilm, you must do amal on your ilm, and you must be humble, you must be humble, you must be humble. Ajz, it's a G word in Arabic for Ajz, Ajz is from Ajz. Ajz actually doesn't even mean humility, you know what Ajz means? Ajz means incapability. Ajz, Ajz literally means I'm absolutely incapable, I'm unable to, I'm complete, I'm zero. That's what Ajz means. It's more intense than the English word humility. Hmm? So one story like that in Quran, Musa al-Khizr. thought that what he wanted was to get more knowledge. So he was true, mukhlis, talib of ilm, so he went to 
when he found out that there was somebody who, on earth who Allah had taught certain things, certain things, not everything, certain things more than what he knew, but he wanted to get the knowledge. But when he came out of that experience, was what? I don't need more knowledge. I don't need the knowledge that this person has. Not everything is about more knowledge, more knowledge. What I mean, what I learned, what he learned from this experience was saying that Khizr, rather Allah Ta'ala just made him go through those motions so Allah Ta'ala could teach that community, Christian community, and us by mentioning this story in all three scriptures, including Quran al-Kareem, is that it's not just about increasing in knowledge. A lot of it is just now focused on increasing in amal. So there comes a time when you have to stop uh, increasing in knowledge. All right? So Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi no doubt how much he had the most ilm of Qur'an, obviously. But even more was that he had the most amal. Now all of that ilm wasn't transmitted to all of the Sahaba. But all of that amal was transmitted to all of the Sahaba. You know, the few Sahaba were mufassirun at that level. But every Sahabi, radiallahu ta'ala an was sahibi amal, was a man and woman of amal. And that shows the real transformation of Qur'an. If you want to know what, when you say, oh, transformed by Qur'an, what is Qur'an of transformation of humanity? You have to look at Sahaba. Those things that were transformed in all of them, that is called the transformation by Qur'an of humanity. All right? So this is why, and this is something that's missing, by the way, in many Qur'an classes, that they become just about the Arabic, or just about the vocabulary, or just about the translation, or just about the explanation. It's not a Qur'an class then. It's not a Qur'an class is not complete unless there's mention of amal, of practice, of feelings, of humility and sincerity. Although it's not Qur'an class. Call it Arabic class. And the textbook is Qur'an. So you think it's a textbook for Arabic. It's Arabic class. It's Qur'an class when you talk about amal, hal, sifat, kayf, love for Allah Ta'ala, fear of Allah Ta'ala, practicing these things, feeling these things, being humility, having humility, erasing yourself, being sincere, then it will be called Qur'an class. Then it will be called Qur'an class. So yes, to do this amal and to get this humility, then this is why a person needs to make ibadah, the person makes the zikr of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala, a person needs to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a person needs to be of khidmah to others, a person needs to make dawah of deen. So all the different amal, all the different ibadat, all the different acts of worship, all the different acts of virtue, all of these things have to be there. And something already we mentioned to you in the Jummah talk, so all the different akhlaq and sifat, all the good different characters and manners and attributes and feelings that a person should have. So if you want, this is called, so this is the process. It's also the end. Ultimately the end is that you get the feelings of Qur'an. But the process is called Tazkiyah bil Qur'an. Tazkiyah bil Qur'an. The Qur'an is your shaykh. The Qur'an is your guide. The Qur'an is your teacher. Hmm? And to take that guidance from Qur'an al-Kareem and to take that tarbiyah, akhlaq, sifat, tazkiyah from Qur'an al-Kareem then a person will be fulfilling this last part. So what we want is to do all of these things. And Alhamdulillah, Shaban is almost upon us. Ramadan is coming soon. And all of you remember from so many previous years of pre-Ramadan talks that Ramadan is the month of Qur'an. Shaykhul Ramadan al-Razi unzila fihi al-Qur'an. Allah says in Qur'an, the month of Ramadan is the month in which Qur'an al-Kareem was revealed. And what does it mean? 
Qur'ana Kareem with all of its features, with all of its potential, with all of its dhikr, tadkara, hidayah, as we outlined today. And out, what we outlined today is just a beginning presentation. All of that was revealed, not just the alfaz of Qur'an. All of it was revealed in the month of Ramadan. So when they say the month of Ramadan is the month of Qur'an, the month of Ramadan to reconnect with Qur'an al-Kareem, it's not just about Tilawa or Taraweeh, it's about all these aspects of Qur'an. So we should make niyyah that we, want, we won't wait till Ramadan, that we won't even wait till Shaban. We use the remaining few days of Rajab. We'll start practicing in some way in Shaban, at least so that we spend 30, 40 days before Ramadan trying, and hopefully then by the time Ramadan does come with all of its barakahs, and then inshallah the taqwa that a person gets from fasting. So remember, the reason why we fast is taqwa. So that's the greatest chance that a person has in the year to get that from Qur'an al-Karim. So this is what we should focus on, on those women who have more time. If you become, and I'm going to use a strong word, but I mean it with balance. If you can become obsessed with Qur'an, it will be a cure for a lot of the worries, a lot of the problems. Obsessed means you are so regular in your recitation. You are so regular, gradually, monthly increasing your memorization. You are so regular in your du'as from Qur'an. You are so regular in understanding Qur'an, your weekly local Qur'an class, your other tafsir class, your reading tafsir, your engaging and listening to the ulama, the rules on tafsir. You are so regular in your tadabbur, tafakkur, contemplation on Qur'an, on the names of Allah Ta'ala, on the verses of His nearness to us, on the verses of His love for us, on the verses of our love for Him. If you become so regular on trying to practice what you learn from Qur'an, if you can become deep and deep and deep in your ta'luk with Qur'an, it will ground your life, it will anchor your life, it will give your life a firmness and stability through which, inshallah, you can weather any storm that may come to you. It will give you yaqeen in Allah Ta'ala in your heart that will protect you from chasing every amal and having every wild imagination of every magic. It will give you such a yaqeen and ta'luk ma'allah, nisbat ma'allah in your qalb that it will protect you from many of the misunderstandings and the misguidances that are also out there in the community. We make dua that Allah Ta'ala increase each and every one of us in our ta'luk with Qur'an, our amal with Qur'an, our amal with Qur'an, wa akhiru da'wana, and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. We'll make dua, inshaAllah. Subhana rabbil alameen, wa hama Allahumma salli ala sinana wa muhammad, wa ala ala sinana wa muhammad, wa ala ala alika sallam. Anumana Zalana Anfusana Wahilam Takfilana Watahamna Nanakuna Namana Kosinin. Rambana Latuzulubana Bada in Hadaitana Bahamana Minadunka Rahma Innaka Antawa Hama Rambi Fir Walham Wa Anta Khairu Rahimin Rambana Atana Fin Dunya Hasana Wafil Awakirati Hasana Wakina Azabana Rabbil <laughs> 
when I say to forgive us for neglecting Qur'an, from being distant from Qur'an, from reciting Qur'an, from praying Qur'an in Salah, from learning Qur'an, from memorizing Qur'an, from being guided by Qur'an, then in Bikrim, best to connect our hearts to Kitabullah, connect our mind to Kalamullah, join our tongues with Kalamullah, join our lives with Kitabullah, Ya Allah, to increase in every aspect of Qur'an that we heard today, mentioned today, learned today, talked today. Ya Allah, protect us from nifaq, Ya Allah, protect us from hypocrisy, protect us from preaching what we don't practice, protect us from listening and not practicing, protect us from having ill but not having amal, protect us from having amal but lacking ikhlas. Ya Allah, protect us from the arrogance in our heart, protect us from the pride in our heart. Ya Allah, you send your special rahmah, your mercy, your kubuliyah, your acceptance on all the gatherings of Qur'an, all the halakas of Qur'an, all the dhus of Qur'an, all tafsir of Qur'an. Ya Rabbi Kareem, message you put in each and every one of our hearts, the true understanding of Qur'an, true meaning of Qur'an, true value and appreciation for Qur'an. Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant us even a few minutes a day. Ya Rabbi, we know we are lazy, we know we are busy, but Ya Rabbi, don't let us ever be entirely mahroom, Ya Rabbi. Grant us 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, Five minutes a day, few minutes a day, few moments a day, few seconds a day. Ya Rabbi, can you keep us in your hifaza, Ya Rab, from ever having a day that is empty of Qur'an. Keep us in your protection, Ya Rab, from ever having a day that is absolutely void of Qur'an. Ya Rabbi, can you fill our hearts with the feelings of Qur'an, fill our minds with the meanings of Qur'an, fill upon our tongue the wordings of Qur'an, Fill up in our thoughts the, 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 the contemplations of Qur'an. Accept us for tafsir, accept us for tadabur. Grant us hidayah, ya Rabb, the hudal nas, the hudal al-muttaqeen. Grant us the taqwa of the muttaqeen, so that we may get hudal al-muttaqeen. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you forgive us for all the sins that we have did that have come between us and Qur'an. Forgive us for all the people that we hurt that are coming between us and Qur'an. Forgive us for all the rights we left unfulfilled that are coming between us and Qur'an. Forgive us for all the times we disobeyed you, all the worships that we missed or skipped, all the opportunities that we neglected. Ya Rabbi Kareem, have mercy on us, Ya Rabbi. Surely if you gathered us here today to remember Qur'an, to reflect upon Qur'an, your irada is one of hidayah for us, your irada is one of khair for us, let us leave this gathering, Ya Rabb, with a new desire to do amal, with a new passion for amal. Let us follow up on this gathering, Ya Rabb, by reciting more Qur'an, learning more Qur'an, gathering to remember Qur'an, learning and sharing Qur'an, Ya Rabbi Kareem. And Ya Allah, grant us all the ulum of deen. Grant us the knowledge of the sunnah of Nabi Kareem, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Grant us the true understanding of the hadith, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Grant us qadr of the muhandithin. Grant us the knowledge of sharia, Ya Rabb. Grant us qadr of the fuqaha, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Grant us, Ya Rabb, true understanding of the path of tazkiyah. And grant us understanding of your awliya and muttaqeen. Ya Rabbi Kareem, let us use the Qur'an as a guide and a map. Ya Rabbi Kareem, increase our hearts with the knowledge of hadith, the knowledge of fiqh, the knowledge of taqwa, the knowledge of wilaya. Ya Rabbi Kareem, help us, Ya Rabb. Guide us.
this yaram, it is so easy yaram for us to sit for one hour in the masjid, but it's so hard for us to sit but ten minutes in our home. Make it easy for us, Ya Rabbi Kareem, and grant us our own private desire. Ya Rabbi, we are grateful and honored to you that you grant us good company, but Ya Rabbi, ask that you make us strong when we are alone, make us strong in solitude, make us strong as individual mu'mineen, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Rabbi, we ask that you shower your khas rahmah on any and all the women who are present for listening. Ya Rabbi Kareem, honor the pious wishes in their heart, grant their secret du'as, remove the difficulties in their life, grant them an ease-free life, Ya Rabbi, so they may devote themselves to your deen, to do khidmat of deen, da'wah of deen, we make du'a for all the women of the community, all the women in London, all the women in England, all the women in the world, Ya Rabbi, we ask that you grant them the hayah of Sayyidah Maryam, grant them the sifat of the ummahat al-mu'mineen, those who are distant from you, who are neglecting you, who become trapped in some snare, Ya Rabbi, we ask that you rescue them with your hidayah, forgive them with your maghfara, send your special mercy on them through your rahmah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, introduce your love to them, introduce yourself to them, put them in some good company, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Rabbi, ask that you take out all the delusions from our heart, all the self-deceptions from our heart, remove all of the enmities, rivalries, jealousies between the workers of deen, unite them, Ya Rabbi, unite their hearts, Ya Rabbi Kareem, let them be different in method and practice and organization, but let them be together in heart and spirit, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Rabbi, we ask that you raise from this Ummah again, Ummahat Salihat, Binat Salihat, Zawjat Salihat. Ya Rabbi Kareem, raise from these women and from their daughters once again, women who will be leaders of this community, guides of this community, saviors of this community. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, and we make special dua, Ya Rabbi, for all the women who are talibas of Alama Course, all the women who are graduates of Alama Course, all the women who are teaching Alama Course, all the students and teachers of the Maqadim al Quraniyah, that Ya Rabbi, grant them amal on their ilm, grant them ikhlas on their amal, grant them taqwa and haya, grant them the sifat of the mu'minat, Ya Rabbi Kareem, and then thereafter accept them for the da'wah and khidmat of deen, Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Rabbana takamba minna innaka anta sami'ul alim, wa tubu alayna innaka anta tawabul rahim, wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in, bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahim.